Just had lunch with your sister. Nice. Yeah, it was the best. Um, it was Household great. old Hannah Banana. She's amazing. Um, we were discussing the Taylor's version of Red and it got quite heated, but like in a good way, like in a, in a, like mutually agree, we're both angry at the same things kind of way. Okay. Like in a, like, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal's the worst way. Sure. You know, I've never liked his face. And then after I watched the 10 minute video, I was like, oh, that's why I don't like his face. Cause he just has that look. He just looks like he, in fact, doesn't shower, which is true, but, and he openly admits that he's like, I don't shower until I sleep, um, which is a choice, but also like you, I could, I could talk about this forever because you know what, like everybody's all of a sudden that now is like, man, we really misjudged Taylor, but you know, what's happening again right now? Like Olivia Rodrigo's dating a 30-year-old producer. Everybody's blaming her. She's a literal child. Same, like, same age difference. Like, same with Leonardo DiCaprio. Same with, like, God, who's the other one? Every Hollywood star. Every male in Hollywood. Literally. There was one where he was, like, one... Bradley Cooper was reading Lolita in the park to his 25-year-old girlfriend. And I was like, tell me you're a pedophile without telling me you're a pedophile. Ugh. And Jake Gyllenhaal literally in, in, in like in interviews calls like Tom Holland. He's like, oh, he's just a kid. Like all this stuff. Tom Holland, older than his current girlfriend. We're not ready to have that conversation. I'm, I'm tired of having that conversation because it's like, <laughs> everyone's like oh we misjudge taylor but like we misjudge so many women we do it all the time it never ends no and then like i'm seeing all these tiktoks of these girls that are like um i was watching the like all too well short film and my boyfriend was like i don't really see what the problem is i'm sorry leave I saw one where her dad was like, she was like, I showed it to my dad and he was blaming Taylor. And I was like, oof. I don't, I don't want to know what would happen if I showed my dad, to be quite honest. But I, that, it's embedded in us. Right. And the like, that what Hannah and I were talking about was like the savior complex and a lot of women that's like, oh, well, like he just, you know, he just needs help. Like he just needs me to help him right now and it's like would he ever do the same for you would he ever help you because if the answer is no then you are wasting your time and resources when you could be in a mutual beneficial relationship it's beauty and the beast we are all bell we all have to tame the beast and save him he does the bare minimum bare minimum bare it's just decent which chooses to be decent which literally and that i think leads perfectly into our topic on romance propaganda indeed it does so i was perusing quora the poor man's reddit true and there was a question do you think romantic movies and shows create unrealistic expectations for relationships? And I liked this answer. It says, I think so. Yes. All the stuffs that happens in the movies or shows seldom happens in real life. For example, in how to lose a guy in 10 days when Matthew McConaughey chased after Kate Hudson on her way to Washington DC for a big interview First of all, no real guy in life would even bother to chase after a girl who's already in the taxi heading to the airport. Secondly, no girl in their right mind would risk losing the big interview that she has been waiting for so long just because a man tells her he loves her and wants to be with her. I think movies and shows set a high bar for relationship standards that set a working relationship must involve some great gestures and treating the girl like a queen when in reality for a relationship to work 
both parties must try hard and treat each other with respect, affection, and loyalty. I recalled some of my friends who keep flunking on their relationships, and when asked why most of their answers involved that the guy was not romantic enough or the guy didn't make them feel special. I mean, it's fine if you want a romantic guy or a guy that makes you feel special. In fact, you must find someone who would constantly make you feel special and feel loved, but that doesn't mean that they are romantic and the adoration side only falls for the guy. The girl also has to make an effort to make the guy feel special and loved. Which I thought was an interesting take because usually we talk about like how much it builds up our relation, our expectations for men. But we don't always talk about how women are not fulfilling their side of it, expecting to be treated like a princess. So I thought it was like right. an interesting perspective that I don't hear as often. Absolutely. Because me, I mean, <laughs> what I loved about this topic, and I was really excited about like the two of us talking about this is we're coming from different perspectives. Like obviously you deal with toxic, everybody deals with toxic people in their lives, but like I have never been in a relationship for longer than three months and you are in a very healthy, loving relationship. Um, and I think it's just like, that's an interesting comment. I'm usually on the side of like, like the bare minimum is always, it's, it's always the bare minimum for men. So I love that the topic's like, oh, well, women are kind of also playing a part of this. And like, that's not necessarily part I'm loving to hear, but I need to, you know, because I'm like, I'm not the problem, but it's like, there are two people in the relationship, two imperfect people in a relationship, no matter like who that really, who that relationship is with, whether that's a heterosexual relationship or not, like those two people are going to be imperfect. True. And I think it's important to consider that romantic propaganda is harmful for everyone. Like everyone is hurt by it. It creates a standard for men that they can never attain. And it creates these expectations for women that can never be fulfilled. Like nobody is benefiting from this. Nobody is getting their way. It's just so unrealistic to expect someone to do these like grand romantic gestures. And it's also not that meaningful. Like in my relationship, it is the small stuff. Like it is the everyday little things that make our relationship what it is. Like I honestly would not care about big gestures. Well, I mean, you, you like look at the way that high schoolers have taken promposals. Oh God like to a whole different level. And you think about how, like even just thinking of the word promposal, I get discomfort. Like I feel physically uncomfortable and like I'm going to have to hurt someone's feelings and I'm gonna get called a bitch for it. And so like that sets up, in that way that sets up the boys too because it's like, oh, well, you know, girls want this really big grand gesture. You know, they want like, I'm trying to think like love actually, which, you know, what, have you watched love actually? Is that the one with Ryan Reynolds? No, that's the one with, um, like Hugh Grant and, um, Kira Knightley, oh, Emma Thompson, case. Alan Rickman. It's like, it's a early two thousands, which I like read <laughs> one of the articles that I found was like talking about how much damage the two thousands romantic comedies have done which I thought was really interesting rather than like you know I mean the 80s ones and stuff and the early like late 90s like they're gonna have some dated things in them but the early 2000s were almost like all about these grand gestures but also like now that women are in a similar position to men whether that's like job-wise like the proposal like she, Sandra Bullock is literally, she's doing her job, working the same hours as Ryan Reynolds is. Mm-hmm. And she's the bitch and she's the workaholic and he's working the exact same hours and her life is missing something. You know, like she has literally everything figured out. She's like the top lawyer. She like has a great apartment, like all this stuff, but she still feels lonely. And what is she missing? 
a man, a mediocre man, a mediocre man who, and it's just like, it's, it's funny. Cause you look at those narratives and you're like, what? Like the male perspective, it's like, you have to be codependent and you have to be that support for her to feel like she's worth something. Yeah. It's not a relationship. You're just serving a purpose in her life. Right. You're just a tool, a means to an end. Right. It's just, it's crazy. If you, can you imagine that movie if the script was flipped? Like if it was all about like a man that was just missing something in his life. Like he had the career, he had the house, the social life, but he just didn't have the woman. And then she like comes in and saves him. Like nobody would watch that. No. And she's just like, (laughs) and brings literally, I mean, it's just like works under him. And it's just kind of like, I work the same amount of hours. Um, And like, what was an interesting point on this specific article that I read was like, um, that it's always brought up like the point of how single the woman is, but the man is also Mm -hmm. single, but that's never brought up. Like, why is it's almost like, oh, well, if like when the woman is single, it's like, oh, she's so lonely. She's missing something like something's wrong with her. She has to fix something. And it's like Ryan Reynolds is single in that movie, too. He's lonely. Yeah, he's just so sad. He's just missing something. So alone. Unfulfilled. I just, there's so much to it. And it's just an interesting topic of like, who does it benefit and why, why are we, why do we keep making them? Right. Why is it still happening? Why, why are we still making a Cinderella story with just like this weird twist that she's now a businesswoman, but still ends up with the man? Because she's missing something. She because could have traveled the world. And she can five. have it all, but she will not have love. And yeah. without love, what will she be? Nothing. Nothing she does matters it's, if she's not a wife. I mean, you look at like the big phases of like Twilight. That is such an abusive relationship on both, <laughs> like between whichever character, pick one. they're all bad yeah they're all bad there's not a single healthy relationship not a single one maybe maybe the mom and the baseball player maybe maybe but even then would she be like wasn't she like kind of villainized for like leaving well yeah but that's her relationship with her daughter that's true but maybe the baseball player instigated that I retract it. No healthy relationships. And that was such a big thing. Why were we so obsessed with that? Because still are literally like there is still, and especially when it came back, like all the series went on Netflix, like, and don't get me wrong. I love it. (laughs) I eat it up. I sound like such a hypocrite because I, there is no one that loves a rom-com like me. And I think that might go to say something controversial yet brave. That's probably what's setting up a lot of women for failure is it's like the bar is so low, but the bar is so high. And right. like, there's nowhere in the middle. Like there's no just like movie. Uh, I mean, like everybody, I, there's like the Jim and Pam example, but you're like, I, I mean, not I really. I hate Jim and Pam. They okay. Were- Jim and Pam are not a good couple. They're no. not. She was in a committed relationship. He pursued her without making it clear that he was pursuing her. Right. Manipulated her into romantic situations. And she is also at fault because she's in a committed relationship and is entertaining this person that is pursuing her under the radar. Right. Not a good couple. No. Justice for Karen. Karen did nothing. Period. Nothing. She just, she supported her boyfriend. She was doing her job, pursuing her career. She did nothing. Justice for Karen. Period. Because you know what? It's just, and, and it's so weird. Like, why is that? And even then that's the most mundane, like just okay relationship but because it's, is it because it's on TV that we're like, that's why we want that? I think it's because 
they took all of the classics of rom- romance propaganda like it's like forbidden love right she's not available he has to pursue her um there's a big fairy tale wedding and then even after they get married they still make it to where she's not entirely available like she entertains other men even in right. her marriage like nothing about that relationship is healthy no but and we think it is because we eat it up and I think the office did this intentionally they hired actors who looked like they could be everyday people and right. I think that was very attractive to everyone as well because it was the most relatable you could get when right. watching a tv show Right. Like, I don't look like Sandra Bullock and any dude that's pursuing me is not going to look like Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> it's like, I don't get, I love them. We'll eat <laughs> it up until the day I die. Blake Lively, a goddess. However, will I ever relate to her truly? Like, I'm never going to look at her and be like, we have a lot more in common than you think. Like, that, which is we don't. <laughs> I know. One of us had to grow up being funny and the other one is coincidentally funny. Right. You do the math. <laughs> like, and it's just, but it's so, I mean, from the classic standpoint too, like I was all through college, I took like 18th century feminist literature classes, which is really obscure, but, and it was very conflicting because I love a romance. I loved, I loved Wuthering Heights. Talk about toxic, horrible not even like there's a reason there's not a movie for it because if they made a movie it would be canceled because it's that like toxic that horrible and I'm like he's just misunderstood he isn't turns out he's a horrible person and he's traumatizing other people around him for his trauma I don't know 50 shades of gray exist so I feel like Wuthering Heights might fly under the radar perhaps but you it, know where people it, love Fifty Shades of Grey. Couples go to see Fifty Shades of Grey together as a couple activity. Like, did I love the films? <laughs> yes. But you want to know why? And this was, I caught myself saying this and someone, and it was my sister, it was Anna. She goes, did you hear what you just said? I was like, I love the third one because the kink is commitment. <laughs> And she goes, did you, did you just hear yourself say that? (laughs) Like, did you just hear yourself literally admit that like the only way they could get a healthy relationship was by fetishizing commitment? (laughs) Like it was so weird. And I was like, I cannot, and I've been and like, I would, I was like, oh, haha, that's so funny. Like I would say that joke multiple times around multiple people, but my sister was like, go to therapy <laughs> did you hear that yeah I don't Special think you understand but, right <laughs> literally but like that's so it's, funny that's it's, like do you ever watch 30 rock I watched some of it yeah so Jenna the the actress she starts dating a drag queen whose character mm-hmm. is her do you, are you familiar with that storyline no. it's great it's great but at some point in their relationship they like they fall asleep together without getting intimate and they wake up the next morning and they're like are we boring what's happening and they come to the conclusion that they're doing a new thing called normaling and that it's still like very taboo and they go they end up going to like Ikea or something together to do like normal couple activities like they just fetishize being like a normal couple because they can't stand the fact that they might just be in like a committed, a healthy relationship. A healthy relationship. <laughs> but like, but why are we drawn to that toxic? Like <laughs> I need it to be different. I need it to not be healthy. Because we're shown it from the time we're children. It's yeah. in every single relationship we see starting in cartoons. Literal children's films. Yeah. It's all about having like some sort of conflict, some sort of like issue that has to be resolved. You can't just exist. That's why they never show the happily ever after because that's not interesting. Right. The point is getting 
from point A to point B, which is the happily ever after, but nobody wants to know what happens at point C because that's frankly boring. That's not the adventure. That's not the conflict. And like, also like could play a role in like serial dating because it's all about the chase. It's not about like the end goal, you know, nobody cares about the, like the normalizing or like that, you know, the normal normaling like the the normal link like I I picked you up coffee right like that's nobody cares about that and they're like well why where's the the burning passion the borderline over emotional experience that we see on tv yeah well and that's you know it's interesting you say that I have a healthy relationship because it took a really long time to get to this point Cause when he and I first met each other and there was like very much attraction and like, you know, we were starting to like hang out more. I cut it off because, you know, I was so young. And in that moment I was like, if that, if like we start dating, like that's a game over, like I will marry this person. Like, and I just, at that time I was like, I, like, I can't, that's, I don't do that. I don't get married. I don't end up in a committed, healthy, happy relationship. I do these like really like toxic, like volatile, romantic engagements. That's what I thought I wanted. I thought that I like I had this like great thing in front of me and I was like, no, that's not it. Because like the one relationship I was in, I knew it from the beginning like I knew in my head, it wasn't going to work out since I said, yeah, well, like, let's date. Um, I've done that. Because I was like, well, for the content, I guess, like, what is that? I don't know. <laughs> like, like, for the grins and the giggles. For who? And like created a lot of trust issues with no one other than myself. Right. Because I was like, I got into this relationship knowing it wouldn't work out and assuming it was going to be me that it wouldn't work out with because it was my fault. Like just so many layers, but also like, I just was like, well, at least it's exciting. You know, it's something to talk about. Like, and everyone around me knew it. Like nobody really was like, wow, I think this was a consciously And I mean, I was in high school too. So like, it's not, it really, it wasn't horrible. I just created trust issues with myself rather than with someone else, which is an interesting thing that turned out because I was like, why did I put myself in this situation when I knew how it would turn out? Yeah. And the second anybody has offered anything healthy, it's almost like, well, I mean, I don't know if I want that. Right. Like, I don't really want you to be interested in me which is horrible like I I don't want want... us to actually like each other (laughs) yes like I I I have talked to so many of my friends about this my type is someone that is absolutely not interested in me and me proving to them that I am worth their attraction it's yeah it comes back to like the chase concept right like there has to be like some resolution you're seeking Right. And also it's like for, and after (laughs) months of therapy, like realizing (laughs) that I'm doing this because I, I feel safe when I'm pursuing someone I know isn't interested in me, because if they were, then I would have to actually be vulnerable. Yeah. Like I would literally have to accept being emotionally vulnerable with someone else. And I don't want that. What I want is someone who's not paying attention to me and prove. And even then I've never gotten to this point, never gotten to like the point to where I've proven that I'm worthy of being liked. It's always ended up in flames, like me feeling absolutely worthless and being like, well, I mean, you know, I'm just, that's just not my thing. I'm just not, not that kind of girl. Like I'm just not somebody that they would pursue. And the only person who got me in this situation was myself. Yeah. Yeah. I used to have a lot of fear around like what it would, what it would be like to have a successful relationship, right. To like get to that point to where you're actually 
in a healthy, committed relationship, things are going well because I had so much fear of it, like all blowing up. Right. It was like, I didn't ever want to have it because then it could go away. And that's like, that's kind of been a theme throughout my life. Right. Like I don't always pursue things that I want because I have that like fear of success. What if I get it? And then I don't know how to like keep it. I don't know how to maintain it. Right. Then what? Right. Yeah. And so that was like a really, really challenging thing to like come to terms with and get over. And I don't know if it's ever like ever truly like completely get over. Right. Cause you never know. I know whether that's with relationships or whether that's with career, like you are almost afraid of pursuing something that it will actually work out because I mean, even to the point of this podcast, like I loved the idea of doing a podcast and like what has actually gotten me to do this was having someone else be like, well, I also want to do this. And then I'm like, oh, okay, well I'll, I'll do it. Cause, cause Mary also wants to do it. Right. Because yeah. I'm afraid like what I, I don't even want to, I want to quit while I'm ahead. Right. Yeah. That's something for me. Like people always are like, well, like it's okay you can fail and I'm like no no like I'm good with failing I'll fail all day and get right back up and keep going I am terrified of success because I don't know how to handle it I don't know how to be successful then what the chase is over that's the happily ever after right and I don't know what happens after that nobody ever showed me that we haven't been that's not in the script right like having your dream job or And like, even if you do have your dream job, you know, you're Sandra Bullock, like, what if you already have Ryan Reynolds, then what? Right. What's next? What's next? So it's so confusing. Yeah. And that's something like I've had to think a lot about lately because I am always like a what's next person. Like, okay. Achievement unlocked. What's next? Literally. Like I'm finally coming into a, a part of my life where I'm really enjoying just like what's now. Right. And it really is because of the relationship I have. Like we have done so much work to get where we are today, work on ourselves, work on our relationship. And it is so much fun. Like I never really thought about how much fun it could actually be. I thought it would be boring. Like once you lose all of that toxicity and you lose all of that tension, Like, I thought it'd be so boring, but we have more fun now than we've ever had because we're friends. I love that. Like, it's just, right? Like, I just get to hang out with my friend, my best friend all day, every day, like, and I don't get tired of it. That's, that's what, that's the, the end goal. (laughs) And I think what, but what's funny is it's like, that's not in the movies because it's not about the chase right it's about the mundane it's about just being friends yeah yeah no like if anyone were to like peer in on our lives like it probably would not be interesting to us but we're having like the best time like we have all of our inside jokes like we're like laughing having fun talking about things that interest us I mean honestly though it might be interesting to some people Right. Like you think about reality television and how popular that is. There might be some people out there that are interested in things we're interested in. And so I do think it's unfortunate that we don't always show that in the media. Like what's next? Right. And we peer, we like are so into the reality TV realm. We want to know, especially with celebrities, like for some, like whether they want that, like their life to be private or not. We're so obsessed with wondering like, well, are, all right, Harry Styles stand through and through, right? I have been in love with him since I was literally like 14 years old. <laughs> um, have I butted my head into his news way too often because I'm A, jealous, B, hoping that it'll fall through, C, hoping that somehow he'll be like, I have a feeling, just an inkling that there's someone in the middle of nowhere, Texas, who's really funny, really smart, and is going to be my soulmate. Harry Styles, if you're listening, I'll give you Maggie's number. Hey, King, respectfully, that would be my happily ever after. And I wouldn't know what to do. 
the obsessiveness with celebrities and stuff being like, that's the ideal person. And like having that idea of perfect in your head is damaging to relationships as well. Yeah. But you want to look into their lives being like, well, if they're a perfect person, then their relationships must be perfect. But in reality, like if there was a reality TV show of somebody just having a genuine relationship with real problems and real, not even just not problems, just like real dynamic, that would be such a paradigm shift for Rome, like for romantic media. Yeah. Yeah. It really would. And I think it would be a paradigm shift for the culture as well, because art imitates life, but life sometimes imitates art. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. I think it would be really, really healthy for the culture if we were able to see more realistic examples. And I mean, especially from the like queer community and like as a bisexual woman growing up in like the Bible Belt, it's so weird. And I didn't like my sexuality didn't even really come into recognition until I was at least 18. Um, I mean, like I knew about it, but it's like, but now that I'm at the age where I feel comfortable dating, I'm like, I don't even know what that would look like because it wasn't shown to me. Like, I don't know what, like my first date with a girl was insane. I was so stressed out because I was like, there's no playbook for this. Like who buys the coffee, which is stupid because like, okay, that's all about like power. That's all about like, like, you know, we go into that, but like, you're so unprepared as a queer person because it's not in the media and you don't know. I mean, like the closest thing I think I have found, and this is just based on the like movies that I've watched is the happiest season, the like lesbian Christmas movie. I haven't seen it. So good. Kristen, not Kristen Bell. God, what's her name? Twilight chick. Kristen Stewart. Stewart is in it. And um, like Aubrey Plaza, these two drag queens I really love. They really like queer rated the whole thing, but it was great because it was, and like Dan Levy, like it was so great. Interjection. I feel so sad for Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson's careers because they are like talented. They are, but they will forever be the Twilight people. If you've listened to interviews with Robert Pattinson or Kristen Stewart, when they talk about Twilight, like the distaste in their mouth of like, I mean, so Taylor Lauder hasn't done like almost anything after that. Yeah. Because that's true. like, that's it. That's, How is Taylor Lauder making money? I don't know. Twilight royalties? But they can't be that much. No. Hmm. I don't, I don't know. But then like, that's all you're going to be known for in their Yeah. That's sad. They are good actors. Right. Um, they can't help that the writing was bad. No. And that it's this, what a weird mixture of toxic romance culture, but also religious culture because she's right. so Mormon that like, it like seeps in, in different ways. Like, oh, we have to be married. Right. Ew. Like, it, and that's like just like one of the things but like you see I, I didn't even me, realize that until someone pointed it out me this thousand year old man my morals won't allow us to have sex with this teenager Literally, until we're this, married until we're married because I'm old-fashioned I did just learn about what is it the age of accountability in Mormonism what are you that? aware of that so apparently The age of accountability in Mormonism is when you turn eight years old and you are now responsible for your sin. So before, if, you know, up until age seven and 11 months and 29 days, you are not responsible for your sin. So if you die, it's okay. You're going to heaven. As soon as you turn eight, if you sin and you die, you're going to hell. Unless you like repent or whatever they're. Is that because of like puberty? And they tell that to eight year old. Apparently it's somewhere in the text. Somewhere in the text talks about age of accountability. That is, I mean. But they tell that to children. I know. They tell you children know that. But so do, I mean, if we want to start point, like what's hilarious is I'm like, oh my God, I don't even want to think about the stuff that was preached at me as a small child being in the Christian community. Like. Honestly, I attribute so much of that to my tolerance for toxic relationships. 
Absolutely. Because no matter how aware I was of what was being told to me was not correct, it is brainwashing. It is relentless brainwashing, relentless propaganda. And as a child, no matter how much you fight against it, some of it's going to seep in. Right. Some of it's going to like worm its way through. Like the way, and I mean, like talk about romantic relationships. I mean, like marriage in terms of how divorce is viewed and how it's like, it's just like, well, you just can't give up on the other person because God forgives them too. And it's like, what if you genuinely are just married to a different person than you were first married to? Yeah. And that seeps in in different ways too, because then all of a sudden we have all of these kids who, and like now, I mean, it's been interesting, like coming back, moving back from Denver back home, because it's been like hearing the narrative from older, like people like my parents' age and like in our church community and stuff, like whenever I go with them, um, they're just like, yeah, you know, like people just don't really get married anymore. And it's like, yes, they do. They just get married when they know themselves and know the person that they're about to get married to. But it's interesting hearing that narrative from like, I went to a high school reunion thing. I, it was like one of my friends wanted to go and I was like, okay, whatever. Um, and I was talking to someone and they were like, yeah, we moved in a month before we got married, which, you know, wasn't the ideal situation. Have you seen this couple on TikTok that has been counting down their marriage as like the day that we get to have sex? I have not. I'm sure it's out there. The comments, the comments. Wonderful. What I love the comment section on those videos. I can't believe they keep the comments on. Right. That is brave. (laughs) I wouldn't keep the comments on. I feel like it, maybe it's a meme. But also it, it feels very genuine. They look the part. I like what? <laughs> I think about like also the sex ed I had going oh to a God. religious school. Insane. What sex ed? <laughs> Absolutely. Mary, I think I counted. I think I've had sex ed six different times. Because oh, I've had they, it twice. They somehow messed it up every single year and they tried to fix it and then continued to mess it up that's crazy they didn't even do ours every year it was not even offered every year I don't think ours was supposed to be though I don't I think it was genuinely they were like well we had more complaints about sex ed so we're gonna have to do it again like in the curriculum in the past the grades above us and stuff only had sex ed like twice Ours was continuous because they kept messing it up. See, ours, it wasn't like a class. It was an assembly that the whole school went to together. Horrible idea. All I remember, all I remember, the girl described women as tape. And every time they have sex, they get a little less sticky. And then... There was a skit in which a girl went around having sex with people and then they would link to her with a hula hoop and stay with her. So like she was walking, waddling around with all of these guys linked to her on hula hoops. And then there was one dressed up as like herpes or something. I don't know. (laughs) That was like helpful. That's in some in some like in a summary it that's america that's like that plus romance propaganda plus purity culture like add that all together and that's the that's shit storm of romantic propaganda especially in the For states real. like and i mean like we're in like like we grew up obviously in the Southern part of the United States, which is also a different culture, but it's like, that's crazy. And like going back, we, ours was split up between guys and girls, which kind of helpful, kind of not helpful. Um, I mean, like, how do you do it right? I guess is a weird question too. 
Um, but talking to like my guy friends after high school and then being like, we didn't like, it was like, we didn't even really talk about anything. Like we didn't even really like do anything. And ours was like, if you get pregnant, you will die. Like the mean girls thing. So we did, we did have biology class and one of the mm -hmm. classes was sex ed and we split into boys and girls. And in the girls section, they told us, um, that sex hurts, that it just always hurts and there's nothing you can do about it. And I was like, I know all of your husbands, these please poor stop women. talking, these poor women. <laughs> and then one of my friends asked if you have sex on your period, can you still get pregnant? Which is an entirely valid question Absolutely. for a 12 year old to ask. And they said, I don't know. Why would you want to have sex on your period? Gaslight gatekeep girl boss. <laughs> they really said, don't ever ask a question again, queen, because that makes you look like an idiot. <laughs> an We're actual not here to learn. <laughs> no, well, okay. So talk about like, we had similar situation. We had like, I don't know if y'all did the shoe box, which is like where you turn in questions you're too embarrassed to ask out loud. No. Um, they wanted to shame us openly. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> they were like, if you can't say it in front of people, you shouldn't say it. Right. And that's on religious. <laughs> um, but one of them was like, how do lesbians have sex? We were in, we were like either freshmen or like we were in high school. Um, and both of the teachers start blushing, which is like, and they're like, and ultimately, and everybody in the class is laughing. So me in high school, real, knowing that I like girls in some part of my brain is like, oh, cool. So this is something to laugh at. This is wrong yeah. and shouldn't be talked about. Right. And I am never going to bring this up to anyone in this room ever. Right. Like, but, and they, but then they were Ultimately, they're stammering through. People are laughing, whatever, because we're like freshmen in high school. Ultimately, come up with, I don't know. Look it up. Look it up. Go watch Pornhub. I don't know. Just look up girl on girl. Just look up two girls, one cup. That's how lesbian porn works. Oh, my God. And Can you imagine being an educator and encouraging kids to go on the internet for their sex information? And like, I'm hoping that was a fever dream. Maybe it was a student that said that, but I kind of don't think it was. Like, I believe like, it. I, <sighs> While we're on the topic of um, incompetent educators, I used to get, so we didn't have a dress code at school. I used to get dress coded all of the time. We had no dress code. So one time this teacher comes up to me and tells me that, oh, I gotta tell you another story first. So my friend is 16 years old. Uh This male teacher pulls her aside away from everyone else and says, your shirt is causing me to lust. Please change it. I wish I could name him. One day I will. I'm literally physically ill from that. So that same teacher is involved in this next story. So a female teacher pulled me aside and told me that my shorts were too short and I needed to go home and change. And I said, no, I'm not doing that. I'm going to class. Obviously. Obviously. And so then that Friday at assembly, they did an entire assembly about inappropriate clothing just to teach me a lesson. And the teacher who told my friend that his shirt was causing him to lust, came out in drag. Weird, weird, weird thing for a super religious man to do with like a low cut top and like fake cleavage and was like, this is an inappropriate way to dress. Making it seem light and humorous when in reality you are sexualizing children in a supposedly safe place that they have to go for education. And then shaming them for it. For having literally a body. Right. Shaming them because you're attracted to children. We had, so we had Eucharist every Wednesday. We were that kind of religious school. 
So we had to wear, girls had to wear dresses or slacks. But if you, I literally wore slacks one time and I got called, um, a certain slur, assuming that I'm a lesbian. Um, and so I was like, okay, I guess I can't wear slacks. I guess I have to wear a dress, which was super cool for seventh grade me figuring out what that slur meant and have been called that many times in my life, especially in high school. So you have to wear a dress on Wednesdays, right? If you weren't wearing a dress and you were still in the dress code, we couldn't wear t-shirts. We had to wear a nice blouse and jeans, um, on every other day. And so if you were in that, they would send you home because you weren't in proper Eucharist attire. But if you were in a dress, they would call like card you because they had a laminated card. And if it was more than an index card above your knee, you would get sent home. But if the boys got dress coded, so they had to wear, um, you know, coats and ties, they had the ties, they had um, backup ties at the office and then they would just hand them to them. But one of the teachers like had an office and like the whole, I can't even, I don't even know how to describe it, but essentially there was like the, her office was facing the inside of a gate. She had the school cut open a hole in the gate to have a direct line of view from the parking lot to watch girls come in with dresses so that way she could see if we had to be dress coded that is psychotic plan your lessons what are you like what are you doing and she was a woman I was like what does this one of the teachers said you just have to leave a little mystery what do you think is under here ew just more leg that's gross implying what that you want you want people to be like interested in what's going on under there right that I want them to be curious about my body and what's under my skirt yeah by wearing a piece of clothing that you are making me wear really really disgusting um so the whole thing um that got that like made me think about this topic was I was watching Phantom of the Opera. Um, and like, I don't know why I was watching it as such a young kid. It's like, not, it's not a bad, like, it's not, but I, it's just, she's literally being groomed (laughs) and seeing that as a child from the romance propaganda from Disney film to this, I automatically was like, she has to end up with the phantom. Like he, he loves her. He's putting in so much work and effort to be with her. She should be with him because he's working so hard to be with her. Yeah. She owes the work him. in question grooming, um, <laughs> like literally killing people around her for her success. Like so, so toxic. And like, it's just weird, like watching back. Cause I loved that movie. I was obsessed with that movie. I like Gerard Butler was like 40 and she was 16 when they filmed it. Ew. And I was like, wow, this is romance. And now I'm like looking back at it, watching it as an adult. And I'm like, this is so gross. Yeah. But what's, that's not what's weird. What's weird is that I didn't think it was even kind of gross because I had seen it so much in media that going from point A to point B was not that big of a jump. Right. Like going from Beauty and the Beast or Sleeping Beauty or, you know, Snow White, any of like the old Disney princess concepts of either she's saving him but ultimately he saved her because he's the one with all the power and the money right um to this grooming situation and I was like yeah she should end up with him right like she owes him he did all of this work and the only reason why she doesn't end up with him is because she has another love interest (laughs) 
Like it's not because it's dangerous. It's not because she's being groomed. It's because she's into somebody else. So it's considered a love triangle rather than a predatory situation. Yikes. So I, I, I just wanted to talk about it. Cause I was like, there is a lot there. Right. Like, I cannot believe that I at 22 am just now figuring <laughs> this out. Yeah. Maybe it's because I haven't watched it in so long. I've never, I've never seen it. And I'm actually very surprised to hear all of that because I I don't know what I thought it was, but I never thought there was like any weird, like love interest going on. I just thought that he like loved someone and she didn't love him back. That's all I really knew about it. So it is like very, very weird to hear that aspect of it nobody ever mentions that why would they right it's a romance it's normal it reminds me um god what's that movie where it's like Kirsten Dunst and Brad Pitt and someone else and they're like vampires and she's like 12 and they're like 30 oh god I know exactly what you're talking about that that was my wake-up call right like before then like I very much like was too young, didn't really understand. And then I I saw that interview of her talking about kissing a 30-year-old when she's 12. And I was like, what is going on? Like, (laughs) Like something has to be so clearly wrong for someone because we are, we as children are groomed to accept that as love. I mean, like take it to the... (laughs) watch me connect this to Taylor Swift's version of bread. Um, like you are told from such a young age and groomed to believe that these power dynamics and these like age differences are healthy and are almost never problematic. Right. In fact, it's the opposite. I mean, like there's so often the narrative of like, well, Younger guys are just immature, so I'm dating an older guy. Well, guess what? If the older guy is dating someone so younger, like so much younger, guess what? He's not mature. Right. He is a pedophile. Right. Like, so it's just interesting that it takes like those moments where she's doing an, Christian Dunn's is doing an interview and she's saying, I was literally like 12, 13 years old kissing a 30 year old man. Yeah. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. When did this happen? Yeah. No. Well, I saw like the interview of her when she was 12 talking about the experience. And I think that because I was like around that age, I think when I saw the interview and it was like visually seeing a human person, like not seeing cartoons, seeing an actual person near my age, talk about kissing a 30 year old, thinking about the 30 year olds I knew in my life and being like, what? yeah <laughs> who let this happen no that's that was my phantom of the opera wake-up call was it was like so how was kissing gerard butler who was 40 and she was 16 at the time yeah and there she was like yeah it was a little strange um and uh, like she's a kid right that like, man is literally old enough to be her father right like you could have had like a 23 year old play like a younger person and made it, it just like a little a little better I just and it's like, this much and it's better this much better but then it's like oh well we want to stick to the original story which is you know back in the dark ages when age gaps were so large because women I mean it's like it's like no you don't you're just you just want to push the pedophile like culture you just want to perpetrate Right. Like you want to push forward that agenda that, you know, like, uh, God. Yeah. They just want to normalize it. They right. want it to the be Woody normal. Allen, the like Harvey Weinstein, the like it, because there's a power dynamic. Right. And it's all about controlling people. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, but let's make it romantic. So that way women <laughs> don't think that they're captives, but rather are encaptured with love right yeah they're a princess in a fairy tale right 
like Rapunzel gets saved by the man and the villain is the mom. <laughs> like the villain's the mom for trying to protect her from the terrible world outside, but all is better whenever some man breaks and enters into her house and kidnaps so her. That's actually so funny. Like what? It's just, it, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's a problem. I just, it is. And I, I think there's going to have to be literally a significant shift in how we view romance. I think, I, I mean, like they don't, they're not really coming out with romance movies. I haven't seen a lot. Marvel is dominating. Yeah. It's all Marvel, which comes with its own issues. Right. But That's- yeah, I haven't seen anything romance in a while. And I wonder if that is because it seems like too much to handle, like too big of a beast to slay, I guess. I don't Maybe. know. Because if it is, it's like the like girl boss um, you know, Cinderella with, uh, Camila Cabello or, and am I wrong? (laughs) Yeah, literally. No. (laughs) And like, they're like, oh, but guess what? Let's make the fairy godmother a very flamboyant gay man. And that'll fix everything. Aggressive. The children will eat tonight. (laughs) Yeah. I do wonder though if there's just not the audience anymore if the culture is already shifting and that's why we're not seeing it because anything I see that's even like remotely romantic is straight to Netflix like straight to a streaming service it is not in theaters that's true I'm trying to think of like if there's and how would you go about that I mean the last like I feel the one rom-com I feel good about watching is 10 things I hate about you, but it's because they like modernized it. And even then it's literally based off a of Shakespearean play. It's based off Tending yeah. of the Shrew. You know what I would like to see? I would like to see a story of a couple overcoming something together. Like it is the happily ever after it's the mundane, but like someone loses their job or there's like a death or something like that. And it's like their challenges as a couple overcoming that and the romance that happens. Right. Rather than the conflict being the romance. Right. Yeah. Like it more being about part of romance is like, overcoming external conflicts not internal ones right which is what creates the romance propaganda that we talked about today exactly oh man what a beast for um i just like it's so interesting and it's funny because like romance novels Like, I always thought it was interesting that romance novels are viewed as trashy Mm. and, like, not considered real literature. I mean, like, maybe the Brontes, kind of. But it's so weird because it's like, why is that? Is it because it's romance propaganda? Is it because... But if you look at... I don't know. This This could be a whole nother, whole nother episode. But, like... You know, why are so many women drawn to Pride and Prejudice when literally the conflict is so mundane? Right. Like the conflict is really about both of them overcoming their flaws to accept the fact that they are interested in each other. And that's the conflict. It's not like, it's not that, it's not super deep, but it's like, Oh, it's so cheesy and so overdrawn. And it's like, why? Because it's not about a power dynamic, but it is about a power dynamic because he's a literal billionaire. But (laughs) I just like to think it's still there. Um, It's still an 18th century novel. So there's going to be some sexism in there, but I don't know. I think um, that's just the confusing part is it's like, it's such a big, genre and yet 
it's just kind of a big question mark right now. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what direction it takes. Right. And like, even in popular TV shows, like who's going to be the next Jim and Pam? And is that going to be healthy? Probably not. Probably not. But I'll, I'll be hopeful. I'll be, I'll be the Pamela in this situation. I will be, um, I'll be hopeful. (laughs) That's all you can do is hope. That's all you can do. If you like what you heard, make sure you subscribe, leave a comment, and follow us on our other social media channels. Links in the episode description.